And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And we're going to have so much fun today because we have a repeat guest. This woman has so much great information. I have to bring her on several times, and we still don't get through everything. So join me in welcoming back Deborah Jason. Hi there, Deb. I love that. <laughs> We do have a good time, don't we? <laughs> we do, we do. And here, you know, for people who think that social media is, you know, not the, the business place to be, we have never met in person. We've only met on social media. Now, hopefully we will remedy that at some point, but we really do only know each other through social media. And so it just goes to show how you can develop very good business relationships by using Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and, and the various other platforms. Oh, absolutely. And I, one of the things I love about that is when we actually do get to meet face to face, it's like we already know each other. So it right. takes the relationship to a whole nother level. I think it's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. And that's a big part of what we're going to talk about today because Deborah has written a new book. And for those of you who may not have uh, listened when we had Deborah on in the past or aren't familiar with her, let me give a little bit of her background. So Deborah Jason is an author, professional speaker, direct response copywriter, and multifaceted marketing mentor, a recipient of the Rocky Mountain Direct Marketing Association's Creative Person of the Year Award. She started her company, The Right Direction, in 1989. Through her inspirational presentations and consulting services, Deborah encourages and empowers you to succeed in living your dream. She has been described as a heartwarming, enthusiastic, and energetic professional, and I can definitely echo that sentiment. So, again, welcome back. Well, again, thank you for inviting me back. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and what I mentioned right before we started was the fact that you have written a new book, and I read your bio straight from the back of the new book, but this book is great. It is called Millionaire Marketing on a shoestring budget. Now, full disclaimer here for everybody, Deborah was very gracious and she has actually quoted me in the book a couple of times and I'm very humbled by that honor because you know there are so many people that she could have reached out to. But even if she hadn't said a peep about me, I still would highly recommend this book. It is so good and it is just chock full of so many tips for small business owners, for entrepreneurs, for solopreneurs, to really put themselves out there and be successful. But let's take a step back, Deborah. Why did you decide to write this book? Well, let's see. The book actually, Millionaire Marketing on a Shoestring Budget, was a or is still a presentation that I've been doing for many, many years. It probably started back after 9-11 um, when people started getting frightened and cutting back on their budgets. And to me, when the economy slumps, it's one of those times that you should keep a presence and you can still make an impact on people. And what I started to do is offer advice to my clients about how to market themselves cost effectively so that they didn't fade away during that time, that they kept out there and had top of mind awareness. So out of that came a presentation I started to do called Millionaire Marketing on a Shoestring Budget. And it was probably... Two years ago that I was at an event and someone said, that's a great title for a book. It might have even been Joel Kahn who said that. Um, and I spoke with, uh, bless his heart, David Hancock, who owns Morgan James Publishing, uh, mm -hmm. two years ago about turning it into a book. And then I didn't do anything. And I did uh, run into another colleague about a little over a year ago. And it just seemed like the time was right. There were certain signs that came up that 
led me to say, you know what, it's time to make it a book. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I made that decision, I sat myself down and wrote this book. Great. You know, and, and it's great because the subtitle of the book is How to Attract a Steady Stream of Happy Clients, Make More Money, and Live Your Dream. And that's a, a very important part for you, that last part, that live your dream. And it comes through several times in the book where you know, sometimes as a business owner, especially if we're an, a solopreneur, we're you know, in our, our home office or we're trying to do everything on our own, we get caught up in the, oh my gosh, I have to do everything and I must be everywhere and I can't ask for help and dream. I can't dare to dream because I don't have time for it. And that's one of the big premises that you have is that that is so important is to really be able to live your dream. Well, you know, I believe in my heart that most people go into business for themselves, especially solo and entrepreneurs, because they want to live a certain lifestyle. And that's mm-hmm. a freedom-based lifestyle that gives them, you know, the fun and the flexibility to do what they love with the people that they love doing it with. So, you know, when people see the book, it's really not about a get-rich-quick scheme to be a millionaire. It's about not a scheme. It's about strategies, business right. building strategies, because, you know, we all have to make a living, most of us, and pay bills. So we have to do something, and why not do something that we love that allows us to make money and, as a result of that, have that lifestyle that we want. You know, I just came back from three weeks on the island of Kauai, and I called Kauai home for 10 years. And how could I do that? Because I had my own business and was able to create a certain lifestyle. So mm-hmm. I continue to live that dream because I get back to Kauai and I live in Colorado. And, you know, there are things that I can do because I don't have a boss. Um, and actually, I'm probably harder on myself than any boss <laughs> ever was. Right. You and, and I think that's so true with people like you and I who are our own bosses. We crack the whip more than we should, um, you know, and, and we don't give ourselves time to take those breaks. And that was one of the things that you talked about in the book is taking that me time, you know, how it really does regenerate your soul, your mind, things like that. So talk a little bit more about that and why you think that's so important. You know, one of my sayings is um, when you nurture yourself, you nurture your business. Mm. And that came from... You know, my own, I don't know if you'd call it a good habit or a bad habit, but I would sit down to do work and I'd end up sitting down in front of my computer all day long um, working on projects and on content and I wouldn't take a break. And my partner at the time, bless his heart, would say to me, you know, you can take a lunch break. And this, I lived on Kauai and he's like, you know, we Mm -hmm. can go take a walk on the beach And I'd go, no, I can't. I have work I have to do. Mm -hmm. And finally, you know, one day the light bulb went off and said, Deborah, this is why you have your own business, so that you can do what you want to do when you want. And it is okay to take that break. And chances are if you take that break, you'll nourish yourself more so that you can come back and have a fresh start um, on the next thing that's on your to-do list. So it really is important to take that time for ourselves, and it's hard. It's hard when you have your own business because you feel a an obligation to your clients and the people that you're working with, but you also serve them better when you serve yourself and take care of yourself. Right. You know, and for me, I've been in, in business myself for almost 15 years, maybe even longer than that. Part of that was actually setting boundaries and setting expectations with my clients and and then with myself also, because you know you our home office, my home office is in the spare bedroom. Now I can check my email on my smartphone. You know all of these various. So we we do tend to kind of be having our business hat on twenty four seven, and clients expect that. You know, I've actually had them tell me, well, you work from home, so why can't you work on a Saturday? Or what do you mean it's a holiday? Or why didn't you respond to my email that I sent you at nine o'clock last night? And the problem was, I would. 
And then, of course, that expectation continued. And I think that was one of the hardest things for me was to actually set office hours. And, you know, that's not to say that I'm not checking email at 10 o'clock at night or working on the weekends, but my clients hear from me during standard business hours. And so then they know, okay, well, if it's an emergency, Deb can be reached. And, you know, we, for example, you know, if there's a snow day and we have to send out something for clients or, you know, it's there's you know something going on with somebody's website and we have to take care of it right away. Clearly, there are times where things have to happen, but they also now know that if it's a project that can wait, but they really want me to do it on a Monday night that happens to be a holiday, sure, but it'll cost them extra. <laughs> and you tell them that, and they're like, oh, you know, and, and so, but it is setting those boundaries for myself also. That you, you, you know, I, I'm putting my phone down. I'm not going to check emails. I'm not going to do those things at night. Maybe it means I don't go to networking things in the evening, which is actually true. I tend to not do evening networking events. But it's it's having that time and making that separation, and I agree with you. I think by doing that, I am a better business person for it, and the the services that I provide my clients are then better because of that. Well, I think you know you brought up a good point when you respect yourself and you respect your own time, then other people respect it as well when you set those mm-hmm. boundaries. And yes, there are times when you know some emergency comes up or. There's, you know, your website goes down and you can't figure mm-hmm. it out. And so you're calling your VA or your web developer and because, you know, you've got to get your website up. But mm-hmm. are you doing that every day? Are you doing that every week? Most likely you're not. Um, and so I, like you, you know, will still do work at after hours, so to speak. Um, but I do make sure that people are aware that, you know, we have a life. <laughs> and so clients are my priority, but taking care of myself is also a top priority. Right. Well, and sometimes I will work in the evenings or on a weekend because I took time to play during the week. And that comes back to why I chose to be a business owner and to have my own business was to exactly like you were saying before, to have those flexible schedules that we want. Absolutely. Um you know, we want to have a certain style of life, and sometimes it means sacrificing some things, and other times it means giving yourself permission to take a day off or mm-hmm. take an afternoon off. Or, you know, I went to Kauai. I didn't take all three weeks off. I did a presentation. I attended a workshop. Um, you know, I did some work from there. But guess what? I also got to go spend three weeks on the beautiful island. So, Wow. Um, I love it. Well, and it's funny because we've digressed a little bit from your book, even though that was something that was important in there. So let's let's jump back in, because one of the things, you know, again, the, the title of the book is Millionaire Marketing on a Shoestring Budget. And before we jump into really talking about it, where can we find it and, and where do we get a copy of it? Well, if you want an autographed copy of it, you can get it at MillionaireMarketingOnAShoestringBudget.com. And then if you want the ebook, you can go to Amazon and it's there as an ebook. It will be a couple of weeks till it will be there as a print book. But as I said, if you order from Millionaire Marketing on a shoestringbudget.com, then you'll get an autographed copy of the print book. Well, and I have to brag. You know, I, I mentioned the fact that I'm quoted in here a couple of times and, and the cover image is a, a shoelaces because it's you know a shoestring budget and they're gold shoelaces and it's you know it's like you've tied a tennis shoe and Deborah did the absolute coolest thing and I just I thought this was so cool but it's it's a good customer service thing she took a gold shoelace and used it to mark the pages in the book that she quoted me on and the reason I want to mention that is because and and this is something that has always impressed me about you Deborah and you bring it up in the book too is using those little Two little words that we frequently forget, and it's called thank you. Yo, so talk to us about why you think that's important, why you think that's very important, because I know, you know, based on seeing how you use those words and how you really are gracious and, and you show your gratitude to people, but why do you think that's so important? Um, well, you know, in the, in the book, I forget, let's see what chapter it is. I think it's chapter 19. I talk about my um, eight secrets for 
succeeding in business and for staying mm-hmm. in business. For me, my business is more than 26 years old. And gratitude kind of changes your energy. It changes your vibration. Right. Um, and there was a book by Dr. Rick Hansen. It's called Just One Thing. And the subtitle is Developing a Buddha Brain, One Simple Practice at a Time. Mm-hmm. And in my book, I quote him because he talks about gratitude and about paying attention to the things that happen in your life and especially the little things. And my feeling is it doesn't take much to say thank you. Right. Um, and it makes people feel really good. So why not do it? And why not do it as often as possible? Um, I'm still one of those people who will sit down and write a thank you note. Mm-hmm. a handwritten note and, and put it in the mail. I will, when you talk about social media and social networks, even if someone just likes something, I say thank you. You know, they may not have commented, but they right. gave me a thumbs up. I still say thank you. So it's just, you know, I just think it's common courtesy. And um, when you stop and think about what you're grateful for, it, like I said, it changes your vibration. And, um, it's just, I just think it's a part, it should be a part of everyday life, um, no matter what else is going on in your life. And I do have days where there's down days or I'm overwhelmed. And many times I'll stop and say, okay, um, what do I have to be grateful for today? Mm-hmm. You know, this might be bothering me, but there's still so much to be grateful for. And I want to say in the book I mentioned, you know, it's not about, oh, I made a million dollars today. It can be something simple, like you took a walk and you saw beautiful flowers. You just mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, you know, that you saw trees were budding in it, in your neighborhood. So just be grateful for the smallest of things and I think you'll find it sort of changes your vibration and keeps you on an optimistic outlook. Right. You know, and, and we do get caught up in the gloom and doom, um, you know, especially working by ourselves because there's nobody to share, you know, your, your good and your bad with. And, and it does kind of tend to be the why, why isn't this happening or why did this happen to me or, you know, all of the bad things. And, and that's what I love that you point out in the book is it really can be something just as simple as, you know, I saw a pretty flower today or I read a neat poem or, you know, things that start uplifting your soul. And when you start having the little things, then the bigger things will come, you know, and, and it still might not be, I made a million dollars today. Now, for everybody out there, we all hope that. <laughs> but, you know, maybe for somebody, it's I made $10 today. You know, I didn't lose $10 today could be something also, you know, but it is about that gratitude. But it's funny, you mentioned the fact that you say thank you and you acknowledge when somebody clicks the thumbs up button on Google Plus or like on Facebook or, or LinkedIn and, and, you know, retweets, things like that. When I give my classes, I actually now use you as an example because I tell people that you do that. And I get this unanimous from everybody because they all think, oh, my gosh, that takes so much time. And I already need 25 hours in my day and it doesn't work. But I tell them, no, you know, it's it's something that is so simple that going in and doing it and having, you know, I'm I'm guessing that you kind of have, you know, a set time when you go in. So it's not that you're sitting and looking at your computer 24 hours a day. Oh, I must respond to that like button. But, you know, it's, it is something. But I've also seen when you do that, the interactions that follow. And to me, that's what's more important than just saying the, the thank you and acknowledging them. It's when they, when they comment further. Well, yeah, that's a beautiful part of it. And, um, you know, I don't do it with that expectation. Um, When someone, and for those people who say to you, oh, my God, it takes too much time. Yes, you know, I focus on usually first thing in the morning before I start my work day and then later in the evening. Occasionally, you know, I do go back there during the day if I want to take a break from something. But it's not that time consuming to just say thank you. You don't have to mm-hmm. write, you don't have to write a whole diatribe. You right. just say thank you for the thumbs up. And mm-hmm. yes, I do find that many times people then respond back. 
and they don't have to write a long thing. You know, they'll just say, oh, you're welcome, Deborah. I love seeing what you post when you post here. Or somebody once said to me, you know, I, I do a daily um, morning image on Facebook. And it always says good morning and, you know, have a heartwarming day. And when somebody likes it, I just put good morning, Deb. And nine times out of ten, that person comes back and says, hey, morning back at you. Have a great day. That doesn't take a whole lot of time. Right. Um, and it, it creates that engagement. And one of the things that I talk about in the book and I talk about when I speak, you know, professionally is marketing is all about building relationships. Right. And social networking, as you and I have discussed, is about being social. Mm-hmm. So, you know, take that extra moment, and it really is just a moment to say thank you. Well, and it's funny because when somebody doesn't take that time, a lot of times we feel a little slighted. Now, you know, it depends. Now, if it's just that I click the like button, no. But if I commented and they don't acknowledge, now obviously it depends on what my comment was. If I just said, oh, hey, great post, or, you know, thanks or something like that, then I might not expect it. But if I really took the time to say something and they ignore me, it's just like if you're in an office or you're at a networking event and somebody comments about something and you ignore them there. You know, the the same things and the same rules apply. We get hurt feelings. We get miffed. We might get angry, you know, and and, or worse, we might say, I'm never going to work with that person. Um, You know, some things like that. So that's where this to me, really is a very important step to take. Well, you know, like we've been talking about, it's pretty simple. I don't worry too much when people don't respond back. Um, well, we're busy. You know, because, yeah. So, you know, and there are times I think people have gotten, like, into this back-and-forth conversation. And there's a LinkedIn group I think of in particular <laughs> where, you know, I posted a discussion and there was a lot of engagement but then two people in particular started to like argue with each other oh dear you know and at that point I you know I stepped in as a moderator and said you know mm-hmm. thank you for sharing your point of view um, I think it's time that you both take this offline mm-hmm. to discuss it um, but just keeping um, in mind that it's about engagement and connecting and having conversations I think you know will keep people focused on moving forward and feeling less overwhelmed by it. And that's one of the chapters in the book is about the overwhelming feeling people get with social media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my response to them is you don't have to do it all. Right. You know, take the ones that either you enjoy doing and where you think your people are hanging out. I didn't do Facebook as much when I first started Facebook, but mm-hmm. I found that that's where a lot of engagement takes place. And so I end up spending more time there and on LinkedIn and probably Twitter next, you know, and then I get Google Plus and Pinterest. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not on the Instagram bandwagon yet, and maybe I should be, but you can't be all places at all times. And I think that's so important for businesses and or not businesses, but business people to remember because they do think, you know, especially if they haven't really been using social media and they're thinking, okay, I need to, they think I have to be on Twitter. I have to be on Instagram. I have to be here. I have to be here. I have to be here. And pretty soon their little eyes cross and they go ah! and their head pops off. You know, it, it is about picking the right place. Um, you know, and, and some of that is if you don't enjoy it, don't be there. Uh, you know, I, it was funny just today. I told somebody, somebody asked me about my dogs and she's a new acquaintance. And I said, Oh, well, go to my Facebook page and you'll see more pictures of my dogs. And her response was, I'm not on Facebook. And my first thought was, oh, good golly. (laughs) You know, like, and then I thought, wow, she has lots of extra hours in her day that she's not wasting on (laughs) Facebook. (laughs) But but it is something to, to keep in mind is not everybody is there. And so that's where you want to do some of the other marketing things. And, and I do want to put in this comment about, you know, you talk about being on a shoestring budget. That's not in any way saying that, that it's cheap or that you're doing it as fast and as easy as possible. It's about how to really be strategic with your marketing is, is the, the overall premise that I got out of your book. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's it, even people, a lot of people go, oh, well, you know, this is meant for people that don't have a lot of money. 
Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. Even millionaires are smart and savvy about how they budget, right. you know, and how they market things. And even big companies take time to use their dollars cost effectively. Um, so it applies to everybody that, you know, hey, uh, I can be the, the little guy or I can be the big guy, but I still need to know how to get exposure without mm-hmm. blowing my budget um, and use it cost effectively. So, right. you know, it, it does apply to everybody. Uh, well, and at the start of the book, or actually it's chapter three, you talk about the fact that there are two vital keys to successful marketing, and that's knowing your product and knowing your market. So let's talk a little bit more about what those mean, because I think that's where so many business people trip up is they don't exactly know their product. And then more importantly, they don't know their market. So what are the steps that you have to to really help a business owner focus on that? Well, you know, I have questions that I ask people. And many years ago, when I first started my business, I sat down with a gentleman who was one of my first clients. And when I started to ask him these questions, he looked at me and said, Deborah, if I knew the answers to those questions, I wouldn't need you to write this brochure. (laughs) And um, he wasn't laughing, but, you know, we're not mind readers. And so it's surprising and it's not easy. You know, sometimes the hardest thing, the hardest thing to talk about is yourself. So when someone says to you, you know, tell me about your service and what you do, um, you have to sort of take some time to think about it, even when you've been doing it for 15 or 20 years. So when you think about your product, here's some questions you can think about is, you know, do you have a physical product? Um, it may be something, you know, what is it made of? Is it made of silk because it's a silk dress? But maybe you don't have a physical product. Like people say, well, I have a webinar. Well, maybe in that webinar you offer CDs or free Mm -hmm. reports. So think about is there something physically? Then think about the function. And by the function, I mean what's the problem that your product solves. And when I refer to product in this call, it means your program, your service, but just to make it easy, we'll use that word. So mm-hmm. what is the problem that it solves for people? Um, you know, what's it going to do for me? It's that uh, famous W-I-I-F-M, me being your prospect. And what are the benefits? Right. You know, what's the problem that you solve for those people? Because um, that's, pe- that's what people are looking for is, you know, I have this challenge and you have a product that solves it for me. Um, so think about that. And then when we talk about your market, who's your market? You know, I just caught myself saying to you, well, my book is for everyone. Well, when you speak to everyone, you sort of speak to no one. Right. You know, it's best to, to really hone in on who is it. And it's not mm-hmm. just the demographics. I mean, demographics are important. There's, you know, the age and the career and the uh, income and education. But think about lifestyle, and mm-hmm. when you think about lifestyle, think about what are those challenges that your customer or your prospect is facing every day, um, you know, that frustrates them or confuses them or, you know, what is it that you can then offer them that says, here's how I can help. And you want to resonate with your audience. So if you understand, if you put yourself in their shoes, then you can speak to them in such a way that your message resonates with them instead of repels them. So really take some time and ask yourself questions about who is my audience? Who is my ideal client? And what motivates them? You know, what motivates them to make a purchase? Or do they even have a history of investing in solutions to help solve their problems? Um, I like to do a creative visualization Uh, when I do this live with people and I ask people to close their eyes and imagine themselves at a coffee shop or Mm -hmm. at a tea house, whichever they prefer. And while they're online, the person in front of them is talking to the person behind the counter and talking about all the problems they had during the day and all the challenges they faced. And you're listening to that person and you're thinking, I have a solution. I have something that would help this person in front of me. So take a moment online while you're listening on and standing online and Mm -hmm. imagine yourself 
having a conversation with that person. Right. And, you know, then when you're done with the visualization, stop and write everything down that you can remember. Because then you'll have some great copy points that you can use um, to help you identify your market and what you can say to them. Right. Well, and, and the cool thing about your book, <clears throat> excuse me, is that you have space at the end of every chapter to make notes and, and to take those things. And, and, and it is something that we all get caught up in is we want to sell our product or our service to everyone. And we forget, you know, who those people are. I have a, an example that I've used several times when I've done this program about a woman that I knew who uh, sold skincare products. And we networked together, and when she would get up to give her little 30-second spiel, she said, you know, I have this skincare product that is for everyone. And we all went, uh. you know, <laughs> and then And then she would ask for referrals, and we went, <laughs> you know, because, and, and I mean, it's a skincare product. Every person has skin. I mean, you know, <laughs> so that was her, her thought process. But then when we really got her to focus on it, we said, okay, yes, it can, the product can be used by everyone. But it was best for teenage boys between 16 and 18 who had acne. And then when she said that, Everybody came up with at least one or two names of somebody that, that she could talk to. So helping her develop and fine-tune that. Now, were there other applications? Sure. You know, like I said, everybody has skin. But when she really was able to say, this is my perfect target market, we were able then to help her. That's a great example. That's fabulous. You know, I the one I give people is some people say, you know, I have a product or a service that's for women and they go okay well there are a lot of women out there and then they say mm -hmm. well women who want to lose weight and well okay, that's most of that's us that's a little narrower <laughs> but then you could have have a woman who just had a baby and wants to lose her five pounds or you could have a woman who's getting married and wants to lose you know enough weight to look fabulous in her wedding dress or you mm -hmm. could have a woman who is obese and needs to lose a lot of weight so just like the example you gave of skincare, yes, there are a lot of people that want to lose weight, but if you can get down to a smaller niche, then as you suggested, there are people that'll go, oh, I know someone who could use that. That person right. is, you know, a perfect target for you. Well, and of course, part of the problem is we all think that we have to sell more. And yes, okay, that's, that, that is true. We all want to sell more, right? But... And so that is part of the reason why we think, well, we have to sell to everyone because quantity is better. But this is where quality does come in. You know, maybe you'll sell a hundred of whatever it is you've got. But if 90 of those really weren't the right fit, then you've only got 10 that might buy from you again. But if you fine tuned your, your audience and had it to say 20 people and they were the right 20 people, so they're going to reorder your product and they're going to tell their friends who are like them. That's where that kind of builds. Um, and, and it really starts going from there. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because it's not just about the repeat sales. It's also about mm -hmm. the referrals because one of the chapters in the book is about word of mouth marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, and the best advertising that you can get or the best marketing that you can get is word of mouth. Um, the statistics say that, you know, 90% of people trust recommendations from their friends more than they trust advertising. And, you know, Amazon's a great example of that because many people write reviews and people look at the reviews before they make mm -hmm. a purchase. So, you know, absolutely, you, when you, you want to have the repeat business, but you want to also have the referrals and the word of mouth. Right. Well, and it's funny because you'll say it's a book on Amazon. Say it's your book on Amazon. I might not know the vast majority of people who have uh, put comments, but the fact that they took the time to do it, I'm going to believe them more than the spiel that, that Amazon or that you or that a marketing person or somebody else might put in there. There's that whole kind of third party unbiased type of thing. We don't have to know them to believe them and to trust them. Well, you know, I call it the KLT factor. Know, mm -hmm. like, and trust. 
And um, when you interview Joel, I don't know if he mentioned this, but Joel has a fourth step he adds in there. And I believe I mentioned it in the book as well. It's mm-hmm. know me, like me, trust me, pay me. So yes. when you build up that know, like, and trust, you know, we talked about it, I think, a little bit earlier about, you know, it's not just going in and saying, buy me, buy me, buy me. It's about building a relationship. And then when you've had that relationship, then people, when the time comes, when the need is there, they'll go, oh, yeah, I remember Deb. You know, she mm-hmm. provided all this value for me. Um, I really like her, and I think I'll give her a call. And one of the things I talk about early on in the book is about networking and joining organizations like a Chamber of Commerce or mm-hmm. um, for me, it was the Rocky Mountain Direct Marketing Association, but not just joining them. It's about getting involved in them. So many people say, right. well, I paid my dues and they've done nothing for me. Well, it's not about just paying your dues. Serve mm-hmm. on a committee. Uh, get on the board of directors. Because what you'll find, and I have found, is when that phone rings, sometimes the person on the other end is not someone I know. It's someone who says to me, oh, Deb Creer suggested I contact you. And maybe I never wrote one word for you. Maybe I've never been your copywriter, but we sat on a committee together, Mm -hmm. and you got to know me, like me, and trust me. So when you met someone who had a need, your first thought was, oh, absolutely, she should call Deborah. Right. Well, and that's so true about getting involved because, you know, I've I've definitely done that in my business dealings where I thought, oh, I'm not going to renew with X organization because I didn't get anything from it. And then, of course, the little voice in my head said, but what did you put back into it? Mm-hmm. And it isn't just about going to the meetings and, um, you know, attending every time and giving your little 30-second spiel and doing all those. It is about taking that next step. And some of that is, yes, to increase your visibility, but it does, it just adds kind of that extra icing on the cake, maybe, is, is what it is. You know, if you're not going to go, then, you know, it's it's really a waste of time. But just going isn't enough. You really do have to get involved. And maybe getting involved for some people is that they get up and that they give their 30-second spiel because that might be very difficult for them. But it's it's about getting involved in, in a level that you're comfortable with. Well, and the same holds true um, since you and I have talked in the past about LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I just recently was somewhere where I told somebody, you know, how I give presentations and do consulting about LinkedIn. And he said, oh, LinkedIn didn't work for me. And I said, oh, well, what did you do? Well, nothing. You know, (laughs) basically he put up a profile and I couldn't Uh see, you know, so I don't know, did he put up a robust, complete, you know, optimal profile? But basically he said, you know, well, I said, did you get involved in discussion groups? No. Did you post any discussions? No. Um, Did you, you know, send out invitations to people or respond to invitations? No. So just like joining organizations, um, you need to get involved when you're on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. um, and get involved in the conversations going on there. So that's another cost-effective way to market yourself and to get people to know, like, and trust you. Well, and you and I have the same philosophy because I tell people it's just like if you joined a chamber or a business association and you went and sat on your hands at every meeting. You know, if if they don't know you're there, they can't interact with you. And you know, it it is about making your presence known. That's true. And you know, if we're if we're staying on the topic of LinkedIn, you know, if you have a optimized profile. Mm-hmm. and somebody is searching for someone like you and they don't know you personally, then there is a good chance that they could find you just as if they were probably easier than if they were searching Google. But right. you have to have a profile that's optimized for keywords and really complete. So it's not enough to say I'm Deborah Jason, the founder of The Right Direction, which, by the way, is something I put when I first put up my LinkedIn profile Mm -hmm. until I learned that it's important to say that I'm a professional speaker and a direct response copywriter and a marketing mentor and actually have keyword phrases, Mm -hmm. not just in my headline, but throughout my profile. So if somebody were to search, then they have a better chance of finding me. 
Right. Well, and it's so important to have that descriptive terms in there. You know, you mentioned them as keywords because, you know, the right direction. Okay, that's a cool company name, but it it doesn't tell me what you do. You know, I tell people that my company is Wise Women Communications. Well, again, what does that mean? You know, does that mean I only work with women? Does that mean I only work with smart women? Does it mean I do telecom for women? And, you know, so you have to tell people more. And even if you work for a big company, tell them what you that's well known. Tell them what you do with that big company. Um, one of the, the tips that I have found is to, to put that in there no matter what. You know, even if somebody says, OK, I work for Coca-Cola or I work for IBM, we all go, OK, that's nice. But how do you work? What do you do for them? You know, what is it that you do there? Absolutely. A lot of people, I think, make the mistake when they go on LinkedIn and they, you know, fill in their current or their past experience and they say, okay, from 2002 to present, I worked at the ABC company. And then they don't take advantage of the description field. Mm -hmm. And they say, I worked at this company from 1995 to 2002, and they don't fill out the description field. Mm-hmm. All those fields give you, one, an opportunity to have um, a keyword phrase in there, but to also to convey to people the value that you bring to the table. Right. Well, and it's funny because sometimes we assume that they know what the company is or we can't think of how to describe it. And so one of the tricks that I have told people is you go to Google you know, or Bing or whatever your search engine is, and you type your company name. And so you would say Coca-Cola is and see what comes up. Because then, more than likely, you know, one of the first listings is typically, especially if it's a fairly well-known business, it'll be a Wikipedia thing. But it comes up and says, Coca-Cola is yada, 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 yada. And that's a very good way to initially describe what you do and what your company does. And, and, you know, so it might be, you know, Edward Jones is, and then you come up with a financial company that does this, you know, but, but it's a way to kind of help you figure out what other people are looking for when they're using those terms. That's an interesting concept I've never, you know, thought of. So thank you for that new tip. (laughs) Yay! Um, You know, I would say the thing to keep in mind, though, for that specifically is when you're writing the descriptions, don't make it all about the company. Right. Mm -hmm. Make sure you have a personal touch in there that's about you. Well, and I tell people one sentence, you know, just say Coca-Cola is blah, blah, blah. Then you get to the the personal part. But that really brings me into something that is not only a big part of your book, but a big part of your life. And that's the copywriting. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all told we have to write, whether it's that we have to write a Facebook post or we have to write a brochure or we have to write a website or we have to write our LinkedIn summary. And we go. (laughs) And. And so in in many cases, it does mean working, you know, actually hiring a copywriter like you to do it. But you've got some great tips in your book about how to, shall we say, bring forth that inner copywriter. Um, So talk a little bit about how we can all learn some tips on, on how to be better copywriters. Well, you know, the title of the chapter is Awakening the Copywriter Within You. Yeah. Oh, see, I did read that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there's a couple of points, but basically what I tell people is um, to really just be yourself. You know, I was talking earlier about that visualization, um, mm-hmm. and that visualization is about having a conversation. So when you're writing copy, it's important to keep your prospect in mind and write as if you're having a conversation mm-hmm. and put yourself in their shoes And then come from your heart. You know, my tagline has been marketing and writing with heart, not hype. So when you come from your heart, you put yourself in their shoes. You think about the challenges that they're facing, and you offer them a solution that helps make their life easier. Um, So think about conversations and think about keeping it simple. Um, You know, I tell people when I teach, I have a home study program. It's called Magnetic copywriting, uh, 21 days to creating killer copy that converts. And it's recordings and it's templates. And I tell people to just write. You know, the oh. very first draft, sit down and just write, whether it's by hand or on a keyboard. Um, and don't censor it because you can always go back and then fine tune it. And you know what? Sometimes you get writer's block and you need to walk away and take a break. And actually, I tell people, even after they've written a first draft, to tuck it away, 
walk away from it, give yourself some breathing room, and go back to it later. And inevitably, you'll find there are things that you cross out, there are things that you add. But always, you know, keep in mind that you want to write about how you help people, how you serve them, because you want your content to be magnetic. And in um, doing that, it then translates into being monetizing because you will resonate with people instead of um, repelling them, whether it's to a website or to a brochure. So whenever you can, you know, be personal. One of the strongest words that you can use when you're writing is the word you. Uh, Many times I see people that write, we do this and we do this and we do this. But again, it comes back to what's in it for me, Mm -hmm. me being your prospect. Um, And so I want to read that I'm going to get something out of this, you know, that I can save time. People buy because they want to avoid losing something that they already have or they want to gain something that they don't have. So let them know how you're going to fulfill that and, you know, push their buttons is what I call it, as opposed to other people who call it tapping into their pain. Um, If you push their buttons then they're busy reading your content, and while they're reading it, they're going, yes, yes, that's me. Yes, Mm -hmm. Deb really understands what I'm going through. She understands my frustration, and you know what? I need her program, or I need her service. So when you write from that point of view, then people will connect with you, and they'll want to engage with you. Well, and it's it's so important because you know we've all seen examples of the i can do we can do and you're like eh, right whatever you just want to get money from me <laughs> and i think that really is what comes across so many times is you don't care about me you just want my money so you know how can it be rewritten to to really say you know okay it would be great if you buy this product because then i get to go on vacation and turn that around to say you know I can help you with this and maybe free up some time so you can go on vacation. You know, and and that just, it it is something that it takes practice because we're thinking about our product, our service. And so we get into the I and we, and we forget to use the word you. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, it just takes sitting down And, well, actually, one of the things that I do is have people convert features into benefits. And Mm -hmm. this might be a good place to talk about it. Right. Where you say, you know, um, it's called the pencil test. And Mm -hmm. the pencil test is writing down the benefits, excuse me, the features of a pencil. So Mm -hmm. a pencil has an eraser. But then you do the next step, which is what's the benefit of the eraser? Well, the eraser makes it uh, easy to write stress-free because I know I can put something on paper and if I make a mistake, I can erase it and start all over again. But then when I'm doing this at a live program, I have people in groups and I tell them to go beyond the obvious benefits. Right. So what's another benefit of a pencil? Well, what comes up for the eraser is if you wear earrings and you lose the back of your earring you can use the eraser as a temporary earring back. So um, that's, you know, that's sort of the idea of brainstorming and being creative. And so if you're struggling and you feel like you're saying, we do this and we do this and we do this, sit down and look at how can I turn that around so it says you get the benefit of this, this, and this. You will discover how to write killer copy in 21 days when you listen to these recordings as opposed to, we help you um, get your copywriting done. Well, mm-hmm. that's nice. There's a lot of people who help you get with copywriting done, but you'll gain the benefits of being able to make more sales and attract more clients and have the lifestyle you dreamed of. So think about it um, and then see how you can convert what you said so that it's focused on your reader instead of focused on you. Right. Well, one of the things that you just brought up is something that I actually struggle with. I know. <gasps> Hard to believe. <laughs> and that's headlines. You know, it's uh, it really is. I have trouble with headlines. So how to, to really catch someone's attention, how to, you know, and, and I know that the headline is the most important thing. And, you know, your book 
is, you know, millionaire marketing on a shoestring budget. There's so many things in that that catch someone's attention. Millionaire. Hello. We all want to be a millionaire. Marketing. Okay. You know, we all have to do marketing. Shoestring budget. Okay. You know, I don't have a million dollars to spend to make a million dollars. And and so, you know, there's there's all of those things. You could have just as easily said how to do your own marketing. <laughs> and we went, okay. So, you know, walk us through how to really craft a great headline. Well, if when you read the book, there's um, chapter 18 that says, do your headlines go ka-ching. And in that... Or ka-thunk. <laughs> well, ka-ching, actually, if I can find it, hold on one second here. You want it to go like this. You have one of Joel's ka-ching buttons. No, we have good old Joel's ka-ching button. And in the book, we talk about, or I talk about, 12 pointers for creating a rock-solid headline that grabs attention. Um, so I don't know if we have time to go through all 12, but I'll give you a few of them. Let's do a couple. Oh, one of them, and one of my favorites, is ask a question in the headline. So uh, one of the questions I asked when I was writing about a supplement was with one in two people getting osteoarthritis in their lifetime, can you afford to ignore your joints? There's another one that came from Psychology Today, which was, do you close the bathroom door even when you're the only one home? <laughs> so think about if there's a question that comes to mind for you. Mm -hmm. um, another tip is to use words such as introducing or announcing or now available. So you could have announcing 10 remarkable ways to stay in shape without exercising daily or now available. A new report reveals three ways to find lasting love after you've kissed your ex goodbye. So that's those are two ways. Let me see if which one. Other. Here's a good one. Um, use a number in your headline right. um, because it's it's really specific and people respond to that because they go, oh, okay, I'm going to get five reasons why using numbers in my headlines work, mm -hmm. or I'm going to get four tips for losing weight without feeling starved from my favorite foods. Um, and one thing I will say is, promise something wonderful, but do not lie. Right. And, and, and that goes for not over-promising either. Yes. You know, because what will happen is um, you'll lose more customers that, than you gain because if you don't deliver on your promise, remember that bad news travels fast. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's a headline that comes up that says, you know, 10 legitimate ways to make a quick buck. Well, that sounds almost too good to be true. So you better make sure that if you use that headline that you deliver 10 ways that are sincere and honest ways mm -hmm. that your prospects can take advantage of so that you right. deliver on your promise. Well, and I've seen people who have said, well, you know, I'll explain the limitations or things like that in the copy. I mean, we've all seen it, for example, on, you know, we, we've mentioned several times weight loss. You know, we've seen the television commercials where the person lost 159 pounds. And then in tiny little print, <laughs> it says uh, not, not usual results or results may vary or something like that. You know what? I don't care about that. I saw, oh my gosh, lose 159 pounds. So don't depend on people to read the fine print, you know, and, and, and you're so right because, you know, the second that you lie, that you embellish, it's, it comes back and it bites you. And, and of course, the problem in many cases now is it will bite you on social media. You know, you'll have people who post on your Facebook page or they'll tweet about you and, you know, all these various things. And, and all it takes is one or two of those. And holy cow, you may have lost your entire business. Yes. You know, you want to be careful <laughs> that you don't make some kind of claim that can't be substantiated. And that's why those, you know, fine print lines are there the disclaimers are there um you know also to be responsible uh, because mm -hmm. they catch your attention with that oh my god that person lost 159 pounds in you know three days 
but <laughs> um, you have to also be responsible for your own results. And that actually is something I talk about in the chapter about, you know, my secrets for longevity and success in business is no one gets the results for you. So, you know, when you have a headline that tells people they're going to lose weight or that they're going to make a million bucks, well, you make sure that they also understand that, you know, there's work that they're going to need to do to get right. those results. You know, and, and a lot of this comes back to several things that you not only have in the book, but you talk about online and, and things like that. And that is about being authentic to yourself and then overall those building relationships with people. And and you can't do that if you have fabricated or lied or been deceptive. Um, you also can't do it if you've been blah. I mean, you know, think of it this way. We don't make friends with the wallflower or we don't refer people to the salesperson who stood there and went, Hi, how are you? You know, we, we refer to that person who is vivacious, you know, and, and obviously it depends on, on what your product and your service is. I mean, you know, there, there are various levels of all of this, but it is about putting yourself out there. And, you know, we've seen examples of people who maybe have overshared on social media. And I tell people, you know, there's there's no rules. If you want to post that, you know, you hate a certain political candidate or you root for a certain school or, you know, all those various things. That's okay. You can put that on your Facebook page, but be aware of the fact that you could have ramifications because of it. Um, you know, I don't ever want anybody to think, oh, I have to hide and I can't be myself, but it is about being authentic and, and, and building those relationships. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about that a couple of times already and, some people are even saying, you know, that word authentic is starting to be overused. Um, so, you know, it's just real important that I say you just be your true self mm -hmm. and, you know, be true to yourself as well. Because if you start doing something that is, let's say, you know, you, know, you see somebody else said that and so this should work for me, um, but it's really not who you are, then you sort of defeat the purpose. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you're writing copy in particular, the secret to writing great copy is that it's all about people. Right. And, you know, it comes back to people want to know, like, and trust you. Um, so when you say that you have something that's going to be a solution for them, that's going to help make their lives easier, that's going to help them, you know, gain something that they don't have or avoid losing something that they do have, then, you know, they're turning to you because they trust you, or let's put it this way, they purchase your product because they trust that you're sincere about it. Um, and then they have to make sure that they follow the steps to make those results happen. Um, you know, it's like uh, we've been talking a couple of times about weight loss programs. Well, you know, people who are buying weight loss programs aren't buying the program. Right. They're buying what the program does for them. Mm -hmm. They're buying the results. Right. And it's, you know, it's emotional, you know, it's about their feelings and their emotions. And, you know, the fact that maybe they'll um, increase their self-confidence or stop feeling insecure about, you know, their spouse maybe is looking at another person when they're out in the restaurant or it's going to bring back love into their life or they're going to feel attractive again. So those are all the benefits that will probably resonate with them more than just saying, buy this great weight loss program and lose weight today. Right. Well, Deborah, I can't believe it. We have just barely scratched the surface. <laughs> I got to like three sticky notes that I have marked in your book. And so what I want to do is I want people to get their own copy of your book, um, Millionaire Marketing on a Shoestring Budget. So how do they do that? And then how do they find you online? Well, they can get an autographed copy of the print book by going to millionairemarketingonashoestringbudget.com and they can get a copy of the ebook on Amazon. The print book will be on Amazon um, at some point, probably within the next month, but if you order it on Amazon, you won't get an autographed copy. So if you want the autographed copy, go to the website of the same name. And if you want to reach me, I have a site that focuses on copywriting, which is rightdirection.com, W-R-I-T-E, rightdirection.com. 
And then I have a site that focuses on my speaking, if you're looking for a dynamic speaker, and that's DebraJason.com, and it's D-E-B-R-A-J-A-S-O-N, DebraJason.com. Great. Well, again, thank you so much. And like I said, we'll just have to have you on again because we didn't cover everything we need to cover. <laughs> I so think we I will have get an you Oscar on again. for being on your show. <laughs> I know, I know. And the Oscar goes too. <laughs> and I already have gold shoelaces. So, you know, we'll need a gold trophy to go with it. And, and it would definitely, you know, go to you because you're such a fabulous guest and you've got such great information. So, again, Deborah, thank you for being on the program. Well, thanks and to a million. Everyone, and to everyone, have a great day and enjoy the rest of your week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.